If you have a Bible, go with me to Philippians chapter three. We're gonna jump in. Um, and I wanna tell you the reason we just did one song, because we're gonna get into this passage and then we're gonna respond to this passage in worship. Um, so just kinda prepare yourself as you take notes and consider um, how we're gonna worship the Lord when we come out of this. But we're in Philippians chapter three and we're gonna be reading the first 11 verses, but do you ever find that when somebody reads something in front of you, you don't hear a word that they're saying? It just is wah, 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 wah. So let me, can I prep you like what this passage is gonna say to you so that when you hear it, you're kind of attuned to it? Because Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he wrote it to a church in Philippi, and he starts it out by saying, watch out, watch out, because in your community there are dogs, like dogs, like can't you imagine me standing up here and going, there's some dogs in this room. That's what he does, and he goes, and there's some evildoers, and he calls them mutilators of the flesh. I know, this gets bold, all right? It's pretty amazing. And then he says to these dogs, these evildoers, these mutilators of the flesh, let's compare who's better. And then he determines, I win. And then he takes the trophy and he says it's garbage. It's just complete garbage. In fact, the Greek translators are really kind to us because the word there really isn't garbage. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's, the Apostle Paul actually cusses in the Bible. And then after he does this, he writes maybe the most epic passage, the most epic verse in the entire Bible. So can I read you that epic verse and then I'll have Georgia come up and read the whole passage for us? He says, after he says, dogs, let's compare, I win, my trophy's trash, here's what he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and to participate with him in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What is he talking about? Why does he call people dogs? Let's dig into it, okay? Georgia, come and read for us, please. You guys know Georgia? Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself has, have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, we now come in faith, trusting that your Holy Spirit will take your word and our time of meditation in it to uh, challenge us, to confront us, to comfort us, to care for us, to love us, to transform us um, more and more into your likeness. We pray for that in Christ's name, amen. So he says, watch out. Watch out for dogs, for evildoers, for mutilators of the flesh. And I don't think he's just talking to the, to the church in Philippi, I think he's also talking to us because I believe there are dogs here at Midtown. There are dogs in this room and there are evildoers in this room and there are mutilators of the flesh and we need to watch out for them. Let me close this in prayer. <laughs> Who were these people? Like, what's going on here? So let's have some fun, all right? I mean, we're talking about dogs, why not? Jeremy and Paul, can y'all help me? And we're gonna challenge our film crew because we're gonna move all over this room. Would you move this board down here to the floor? Because, uh, and try not to fall like I just almost did right there. And uh, point the, yeah, the blackboard toward me. There you go. And I want you to imagine with me, there you go, yeah, you with me? All right, people, that, no, all right. <laughs> All right, it's okay. Thank you, guys. I, I want you to imagine, Lord forgive us, but uh, that, okay, this is, this is God. And uh, do you ever feel like in your life that there's distance between you and God? Do you ever have this vague feeling that I'm just not near the Lord, you know? I'm just not with the Lord. Like, there seems to be this gap between me and the Lord. And other people seem to be experiencing this nearness to God, but I don't experience this nearness to God. And that vague feeling, what would happen if you began to feel like that maybe uh, what I need in my life is to be more spiritual? Like, I need more spirituality in my life. I need to figure out how to bridge this gap between me and God, and figure out what's happening right here. Well, in the Philippi church, there were a group of people that were Jewish folks who'd grown up in the temple, they'd grown up as good Jews, and then they became Christians, and they said, we know how to fill the gap. It's not hard. He says, y'all know Jesus was Jewish, right? Y'all know that? So the Jewish folks in that time were saying to the, to the Philippi church, y'all know Jesus was Jewish, and he was Jewish for a reason, because Jesus was trying to integrate Judaism into what it meant to be close to God. And they were like, yes, yes, Jesus is important. He went to the cross for you to forgive all your sins. And yes, he rose again from the dead. That's all important. That's really important here. But that gap you're feeling is because you need to add to the work of Jesus. In other words, you know there's the Ten Commandments, right? Y'all heard of that, the Ten Commandments? A part of making this gap is you keep the Ten Commandments. But then they went further and they said, you know, those festivals in the Jewish calendar aren't there just for show. There's a purpose that each one of them has, the Passover. So we don't give up these things. We add those things to our Christianity and it helps us bridge the gap. Even ceremonial things like circumcision, the sign of the covenant. Of course we keep those things. And we use those things now to bridge the gap, to
to where we feel closer to God. <laughs> it's Jesus, but just a little bit more. And Paul calls them dogs. He calls them evildoers. He calls them those who rely on circumcision to bridge the gap that it's Jesus plus circumcision are mutilators of the flesh. And here's what's crazy. We do it all the time. You do it. You do. Think about this. I don't know about you, but there is a message inside of me. There is a profound message. If I move up here, will it make it easier? Okay. There is a message inside of me that says, I'm not enough. There's a message inside of me that says there's something profoundly broke about me, so of course I feel a gap between me and God. There's something that you got that I didn't get. You know, I'm gonna tell you a sad story. I've worked through it. But when I was in first grade, when I went to first grade, I know, this is sad. Can we just talk, we're gonna make this a therapy session, all right? So I was five years old and my family put me in first grade because I was hyperactive and they're like, we, somebody's gotta go and we're not leaving, so you need to go to school. <laughs> but I couldn't learn as fast as the other kids, so the teacher recommended that I stay after school three days a week for tutoring. So I rode a bus to school and here's the crazy thing is that, can you imagine a five-year-old not remembering which days they stay after school? What a loser. You know, five-year-olds should have calendars. They should know what they're doing. And I would, on a regular basis, show up at the front door of my house on the days that I'm supposed to stay afterwards, and my mom would greet me at the door with disgust. No, seriously. And disappointment, profound disappointment that she had to get in her car and drive three-quarters of a mile back to the school to bring me to tutoring. And let me tell you the perspective, let me tell you the story a five-year-old wrote. I am so stupid and I'm so slow that I have to be dragged to everybody's discontent back to after-school tutoring that nobody else has to go to. There is something profoundly wrong with me that's not wrong with you. Do you know when that storyline went away? Anybody wanna guess? Never. It's a part of my brokenness, it's what I limp with. It's a part of my maturity is to recognize it and care for it and welcome it into my life and love that part of my story and gently speak truth to it. But there's a profound broken part of me. Are you shocked? Because there's a profound broken part of you. If we got into your story today, if we started talking about what has told you you're not enough, what has told you that there's something in you that justifies the gap between you and God, that it's you creating this gap, you could probably tell me all kinds of stories. And if you don't have stories, guess what? You're gonna get them. Like, are any of you going to the beach this summer for vacation? You wanna talk about not enough? Put on your bathing suit and go to the beach. <laughs> Has anybody gone to the beach the first day of summer and come back to the house, got out your calendar and started planning out your workout schedule? 
I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to gain muscle. I will be fit. I will be the source of everyone else's shame next summer at the beach. But we do it because we look at ourselves and we go, not enough, not enough, not, not enough. And we, we do it with work. Succeed, 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 succeed. Not enough, not enough. You gotta, you gotta accomplish more. You gotta get more. You gotta do more. So the world stops and goes, whoa, you finally did it enough. You bridge the gap. We do it in relationships. We do it with the cars that we drive. We do it with the houses that we live in. We do it with the clothes that we wear. We're desperately trying to fill the gap because something inside of us says, I'm not enough. I don't belong. I'm not sure I'm worthy of loving. And so we start making laws. We start making laws that says things like this, that if I can just make more money, it'll somehow bridge the gap from where I am to where I so desperately wanna be. Or if I could just lose that extra 10 pounds, or you name it, you all have it, I don't have to go through all of it. I had a roommate in college you know how he dealt with his not enough? It was his car. His car was his baby. Like he loved his car. And every Saturday he cleaned it meticulously. And every time we got in his car, we couldn't eat in his car. Like every time we got in a car, he wanted us to notice how clean it was and make sure you keep it that way. His car became his rightness. It became the gap builder. That if he could just keep his car clean enough, somehow it would move him from not enough to enough. Are you tracking with me? Do you know what yours is? Do you know the story that you tell yourself that somehow if you filled this gap with something, you would abandon this not enough, not lovable enough, not belonging enough? Let me break the news to you. It's not your fault. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, when sin first entered into the world, they went from being naked and not ashamed to now they became, the first thing they did was hide. The first thing they did was recognize I'm not enough. The first thing they did was to believe that they weren't worthy of the love of God that was walking through the garden. That's our fathers, that's our mothers. It's our DNA to compare and look for something. It's so natural in the world out there that we bring it into the world in here. You know we do that, right? Think about this. Listen to the kind of stuff we do in the church. <laughs> I just don't feel close to God. You know what I need? I need a book on prayer. Why? Because I need to learn how to pray. Because I think if I was a better prayer, because I'm not a good prayer, if I prayed more, I think I could bridge the gap between me and God if I could pray the, pray the prayer of uh, you know, Jabez, somehow or another, I God, we're here finally. Or, you know what I need? I need to listen to a Tim Keller sermon every day. If I listen to St. Tim, then somehow or another, that would bring me into a theological mindset of clarity of mind that I would be so smart now that I would bridge the gap. Or if I went to my small group and never missed a small group, because I feel so guilty when I miss small group. Why? Because I just feel like I'm not doing enough to bridge the gap. Or I gotta go to church on Sunday. If I don't go to church, how am I gonna bridge the gap? We do it. We do it to ourselves. And guess what? We do it to each other. 
I love reading the Bible in a year. It so makes me feel like I'm bridging the gap. Unless I'm behind. And then I dedicate, I'm all Saturday morning, I'm gonna catch up. The whole Bible in one year. Somehow we think that's gonna bridge the gap. And here's what Paul says, dog, evildoer, mutilators of your Saturdays. It's you. That dog's in us. And, and Paul says, if you recognize that, listen to what he goes on to say in verse seven. But whatever were gained for me, because what he had done was he had said to these Judaizers, let's compete here. He goes, you think you're doing enough to bridge the gap? I did more than all of you. He, talked, he gave this whole pedigree. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He'd done all this stuff to prove that he did everything they were saying you had to do to bridge the gap. He says, I compete with you and I win. Now watch what I do with the trophy. I'm gonna drop kick it because it's garbage. He says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. And we gotta stop there because that word, skubalon, which is a Greek word, the Greek translators who are good Christians didn't want to offend good Christians with what Paul actually said because Paul purposely put a word in here that the only place we find this word in ancient Greek writing was in vulgar writing. It's, it was kind of like, you know, bull poo, but not the poo, you know? It, I can't even say it because it would offend you that I said that word in church, and yet it's in the Bible. Like, okay, so I'm not gonna say it. You go research it. Or better yet, go drive tomorrow morning in heavy traffic and then you'll hear that word, all right? You, you know what I'm talking about. He's trying to shock us. He's trying to say everything you've done to try to bridge this gap, everything in your heart that you think it's Jesus plus whatever you put in there, smart enough, rich enough, good looking enough, prayed up enough, Bibled enough, churched up enough, Paul is calling all this dung. Yes, thank you. <laughs> There's a better word for it. He says, I consider them garbage so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What Paul is saying is this gap is only traveled by faith. Faith, it's nothing you do, it's nothing you've done, it's nothing you bring to the party. If you don't hear anything else, if anything I'm saying this morning about this passage, Paul is saying it, it's Jesus plus nothing, zero. You bring nothing to the party. You have nothing to add to the work of Jesus in your life. Jesus is the one who bridges this gap. Let me read for you, uh, this is, this is Martin Luther, who, a uh, great theologian, has a thing about Wittenberg doors and, uh, and nails, and uh, really birthed the Protestant uh, Reformation. He says this, for in the righteousness of faith, we work nothing. We render nothing unto God. 
but we only receive and suffer another to work for us. That is to say, God. You know what faith is? Let me translate that really simple. Faith is just this right here. It's like a child receiving a gift on Christmas morning. They didn't buy it, they didn't work for it. All they did was put their hands out and say, thank you, please may I have another. That's faith. And outrageous faith is, that's a great gift. Now let me open the next box. If you've never been around a four-year-old on Christmas morning, it's always the next box that seems to be more interesting than the one they just opened. Or it's the box itself that's more interesting than what you put in it. That's faith. All we do to receive the work of Christ for us is to receive. That's why the Bible says, he who knew no sin, zero sin, became all of my sin. Why? So that I could become the righteousness of God. This is what I want you to hear. There is no gap. The gap does not exist. We have become the righteousness of God. Martin Luther goes on to say, so then, have we nothing to do to obtain this righteousness? No, nothing at all. For this righteousness comes by doing nothing, hearing nothing, knowing nothing, but rather in knowing and believing this only, that Christ has gone to the right hand of the Father, not to become our judge, not to become our, but to become our wisdom, he's become our righteousness, our holiness, and our salvation. Now God sees no sin in us. For in this heavenly righteousness, sin has no place. Here's what I want you to hear. If we're in Christ today, there is no gap. I don't care how you feel. I don't know how good, even if you're a great sinner, there's no gap. Christ has now bridged the gap. He has given me his righteousness. There is now no separation between me and God. Where I go, he goes. He comes before me, he comes behind me. He is with me always. And all his promises, all of them, every one of them are yes to you in Jesus Christ. Not because you bridged the gap, but because Jesus bridged that gap. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's what grace is. That's what grace is. Okay, that was pretty passionate, wasn't it? See, when I don't feel like I'm near him, it's a lie. I'm near him. When I'm not living by faith, I'm near him. When I'm caught up in my most notorious sin, I'm not separated from him. I can't send my way out of this nearness. I can't outcuss his nearness. I can do nothing to get there. Jesus did it all, and I could do nothing to get out of there. He's the one that keeps me. In Colossians chapter two, verse six, it says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. In other words, he says, in the same way you came to know Jesus, which is by faith, now live with him, which is by faith. And what is my faith in? Is that Jesus has filled the gap. There's no distance now. Have you ever been to a party where there's somebody at the party that you know doesn't like you? 
Have you ever been to that party where you're kind of avoiding them? You know, you're not looking at them. You're kind of walking around, you know, the other room. You see them go that way. Have you ever been to a party where the person throwing the party is the person that doesn't like you? Have you ever been that, how awkward that is? Have you ever been invited to a party by somebody who doesn't like you and you decide on the way there, I'm not going? Because the discomfort of walking into a party where the person that is throwing the party is actually the one person in the room that really doesn't want you there. If I began to believe that my distance between me and God is because I'm not good enough, then I'm gonna come to church saying, God's throwing a party, but he doesn't really want me here. I gotta get my act together, I gotta pray more, I gotta go to church more, I gotta read the Bible more, I gotta more, 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 I gotta stop sinning, I gotta stop doing this. I can't go to church, you see what I did Saturday night? All these vague feelings, if I'm thinking that God is standing over here with his arms folded saying, wow, one day you're gonna get your act together, aren't you? And when you do, check me out. There ain't no way I'm gonna draw near to God. But what if you went to a party and as soon as you walked in, the person that you think doesn't want you there sees you and starts dancing with joy. They're here, yes, and comes over and starts kissing you, like kissing you. And you're like, okay, this is awkward, but their, their celebration of you being there is over the top. Like it's just outrageously embarrassing. Like it's incredibly inappropriate, you know, especially in today's. And, but they're dancing and it's weird and you don't really know what they're doing and what that is, but they just can't stop moving and they can't stop kissing you. And do you know the Bible describes Jesus that way to you? Do you know the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son? If you've not read it, you need to go to Luke and read it because this guy blew everything. He, he insulted his father to a degree that none of us have ever insulted anybody. And yet when his son came back, what did his father do? Ran after him, grabbed him, and his son was dirty. He hadn't even taken a shower yet. And just wearing his sin all over him and wearing his rebellion and the consequences of everything he'd done against his dad. And his dad had every right to take the back of his hand and go, you deserve this, because he did. And yet what did he do? He puckered up and he kissed that boy and wouldn't stop kissing that boy. And Jesus is saying, that's your father. You know, in Zephaniah, it says that your God dances over you. That Christ went to the cross because he's so crazy about you. That he bridged the gap. He didn't leave anything up to you. Is that really our Jesus? Is Jesus really that kind of weird as a dancer? Yes. I know. I'm a preacher. If it's that good, now do you understand what Paul was saying? I wanna know that Jesus. I wanna know Christ. Yes, I wanna know the power of his resurrection. What's the power of his resurrection? The transformation of me. He rose again to newness of life so that I could rise to newness of life. What is that about? This new life that I have in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Paul is saying, oh man, I'm all in. I want that, whatever that is. That's a lot of kissing and dancing right there. Bring it. And then he goes on to say, and to share in his suffering. Let me talk about the first. When he says, I want to know Christ, this is a Greek word, gnosko, and it's actually a translated word from the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, yada. Have you ever heard Yiddish yada, yada, yada? Seinfeld? 
No? Okay. Well, we get the first use of that word yada in Genesis chapter four. And in Genesis chapter four, it says, Adam yadded Eve, and they had a child. Now it's translated, Adam knew Eve, but we all know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you with me? That's the word Paul uses here. He says, this is the idea, here's the idea. I want to be so known by Jesus. I want to be naked before him. I don't want any story of mine, any sin of mine, any incompleteness of me to not be seen by him. Here I am in all my glory, which is our greatest desire, isn't it? That someone would see me for everything that I am. That's terrifying. It's terrifying that we all get to see you for everything. Or just one person sees you, and one person sees that and goes, oh yeah, come here, let me kiss it. Because that's our desire. Somebody would see me for all that I am and love me. And then Paul says, I don't want to stop there. I want to see you for all that you are. Because anything that loves me like that, I want to kiss it back. And I want it to transform my life. In fact, he says, I am so enamored with that kind of love for me. The, the Jesus plus nothing. Jesus did it all. I'm so... I'm just so wrapped around that. I also want to share in your suffering. And what is that? Wherever you're going, I'm going. Wherever you're going to be, I'm going to be. Well, that's all I got to say about that. What do we do with it? Do you know what helps us understand we're already here? Do, do you know it's not bridging the gap, but Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open. He said that several times, and what he was saying was, would you just open your eyes and see where you are and stop thinking you're not here? Your eyes are closed over here going, how are we gonna get here, how are we gonna get here? Watchman Nee said, you know, many of us pray prayers that God would put us in a room that we're already in. And Paul, in one of his other uh, books, he kind of gave us a picture of how we begin to practice living with this kissing, dancing Jesus. This is actually in 2 Corinthians chapter three. He says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Imagine the dancing Jesus. But we all, with unveiled faces, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. The picture is, as Paul is saying, we are here because of Jesus, and here is free. It's so free. And it's like looking in a mirror and watching yourself be transformed because what you're beginning to see is the face of Christ. In other words, what he's saying is if you will just gaze upon the beauty of Jesus, you're gonna see something you've never seen before, which is you being transformed from glory to glory. So that's what we're about to do. I'm gonna dare you. This worship is designed to give you just a practice run, a session of would you pause and just you got a busy day today, I'm sure. But would you pause for the next 15 minutes and go, I wanna gaze upon the beauty of my Jesus. I wanna gaze on the one who says, it is finished. There is no gap between us. 
Christ did it all, that you would put down all your storylines of I'm not enough, yes you are. I'm not loved, yes you are. I don't belong, yes you do. And just for 15 minutes would you tell that storyline, hey, take a vacation and step into the storyline of a Jesus that is dancing over you and kissing you and calling it grace. Father, we pray that you would dare our hearts to leap now. Dare our hearts by your Holy Spirit to know the liberty that's ours in you. That, Lord, we would gaze into the transforming beauty of your Son and even see us being transformed from glory to glory, just like you. Would you dare us, Father, to take those storylines of not enough, more, not lovable, not belonging, and we would put them down and dance with you. Let you kiss us and return the kiss. In Christ's name we pray, amen.